0: To you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Cause that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. And now it's sippin' time. Welcome to this Suds episode, where everything good in life is worth discussing. We are the best thing on at 2 a.m., and we thank you for choosing to listen to us instead of medieval poetry with Mary. Wherefore art thou, O Philippa, in the dewy mist of the fallen rain? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, <clears throat> so you're on Sip Sods, and Smokes. I am one of your hosts here this evening. This is good old boy Mike. Joining me here on this show, our good old boy Kevin. How's it going? And good old boy, Will. Hello there. We are recording this episode uh, at the Music City Tipler in Nashville, Tennessee. My thanks to them for hosting us for this show. You can catch Will and Kevin behind the bar sometimes here. Uh, So I have actually been to the Tipler in New York City, which is actually under the Chelsea Market on 15th Street. It's a small sign on the east on the side of the building. You just look for the hordes of people from Google across the street. And that is where you're headed. Just follow all the Google lights, and that is definitely where everybody (laughs) is going to show up. So if you want to know about the latest Tech Talk in New York City, head to the Tipler in New York City. That would be my top pick, because there's nothing like a bunch of tech people with really fat expense uh, accounts to uh, make for a really (laughs) great evening. Well, I actually, uh, I love the thrill of actually funding the Tipler uh, in New York City. This Nashville location is expansive. It is really nice. It's very inviting. Uh, it has a very cool uh, barback piece that I could stare at all day long. And I'm not, I'm talking about the furniture. I'm not talking about the hot bartenders that are behind the <laughs> bar, uh, all day long. It's really a very cool place. Uh, so I'm, I'm really glad that we actually uh, got to be here and record here. Um, so it's a real pleasure. Listen, our SIP segments are all about wine, distilled spirits, tea, and coffee. Today is a mixed drink show with distilled spirits. Will and Kevin are masters of the art, and good old boy Mike has some former experience attending bar as well. Today we're going to cover some classics, and I am looking forward to this because there are some great classics that you should get to know. Um, so... Uh, I would definitely tell you that uh, these are some things that you probably want to figure out how to make at home at your own wet bar at some point in time. You'll definitely be the hostess with the mostess if you can figure that out. These drinks are actually pretty easy to make uh, for the most part, but there's a lot of things you can screw up incredibly easy, very quickly. Both a combination of the recipes um, as well as the technique in making some of these classic drinks might take a little bit of trial and error, but we'll lead you through some of those things to make it a little bit easier for you. Um, So we'll have these recipes online and I'll try to credit the source where possible. Now listen, some of these recipes have been copied, renamed, rehashed, published, pilfered, so many times that nobody actually owns the recipe. So um, I will uh, certainly do my best to try and do that. So there are four classics we're going to get to go through on this episode today. First up is going to be the infamous Bushwhacker. Uh, Kevin's going to get to talk about this one. The perfect old fashioned. Will's going to cover that one. The Moscow Mule and the French 75. So those are the four drinks we're going to get to go through. Will and Kevin are going to split these up, and they'll be introducing the drinks as we go along, and uh, we'll be talking about these. But first up, we're going to talk about our sips ratings. Will, you have the honors of going over our sips ratings for today? All right. So our sip rating
1: are our sips ratings are one. Give me a glass of water to wash out my mouth.
0: We might have one in the can.
1: Two, nice, but what else do you have? Well, isn't that nice? Three, hmm, interesting. What was this again?
0: Interesting.
1: Four, let's keep this secret to ourselves. Pour me another. That's
0: classified.
1: And five, oh my, I was unaware anything could be this good. Oh my goodness! Yeah! Yeah!
0: (coughs) Now, uh, let's rate Will's ability to read the... (laughs) Did I do okay? (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and give him a one. one. Oh, (laughs) God. Nice. Give me a glass of water to wash out my mouth. You know, I was... uh, I was thinking a negative two rating might be, you know, in the offing. Was it that? Was so it that week? You have to, you, you have to attend method acting class. you yeah, know with, Kevin, with just, Kevin. I don't have the, <laughs> the, the, the love and charm with time. my voice that that Kevin does. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll let you rehearse that, uh, and we'll wor- let you work your way up to a one. Okay. Uh, so uh, a really great show that I'm looking forward to uh, talking about these classic drinks and I know this this is a mainstay of what you do here at the Tippler. I mean you guys make uh, speakeasy throwback drinks all day long. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and I know that you don't make all of these here but uh, I happen to start with a collection that was a a good blend of some classics you know that are kind of made you know in a lot of places and uh, so I'm really looking forward to the discussion about a lot of these. Some of these drinks people just may not know because they're not made um, at every single establishment anymore. Part of it is a lack of skill, some of it is a demand issue, Um, some of it is just, you know, finding the ingredients is, uh, you know, even a little difficult as well. Uh, You've uh, come back for the remaining segment that we have on mixed drinks we're actually talking about four classics on this episode we have two more to talk about we're going to talk about the moscow mule we're going to talk about the french 75 two really great drinks i cannot wait for the rest of the discussion up first is will we're going to talk about
1: the moscow mule so the moscow mule is a cocktail that's been around since 1941. it's recently made a very very large swing back into uh sort of the popular drinking um uh, group of people i mean it is vodka lime juice and ginger beer uh those basic ingredients uh, put together over crushed ice traditionally in a copper mug the initial the first moscow mule that was ever made used lemon juice instead of lime juice it was popularized in 1941 at the Cock and Bowl uh, restaurant bar on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood. The owner uh, or the owner of the restaurant and a couple friends decided hey we've got this ginger beer we've got lemon juice um, and vodka why why not try them together and they did and they loved it. Uh, It has been switched and nowadays, people use lime juice because that accompanies the vodka better. So the uh, the ratio is about 2 ounces of vodka, 0. 0.75 ounces of lime juice, um, and you top whatever glass, traditionally a copper mug, with ginger beer. The whole copper mug phenomenon is plays a big part. When people order a Moscow Mule at a bar, they assume it's going to come in a copper mug or ask if it can. One thing is there's the presentation aspect of it, but the other thing is the copper, uh, it conducts temperature, whereas glass contains it. So what that means is that the ice is going to melt faster and it's going to dilute it a little more, which will help curb some of the sweetness from the ginger beer and some of the tartness from the lime juice. So that is really the only flavor change. Aside from that, it is just kind of a thing. People associate Moscow mules with copper mugs. That being said, most restaurants and bars that I know of we will get their first few copper mugs, and then and then that's that's it, because people love to steal them. So if you're listening, please don't steal the copper mugs. They're about $40 a pop, and at the Tipler, we had 125 stolen in our first three weeks of running them.
0: They've been low-jacked.
1: Low-jacked, yep, low-jacked. totally gone, and there is nothing you can do about it. Uh, so with
0: this drink, the thing that I hear in the background is, hooray for Hollywood, you know, it's, it's <laughs> the thing I, I keep on hearing in the background. So, you know, it almost sounds like, you know, they started to create this, you know, drink out of the fact that they had a huge surplus of ingredients. I mean, when I tend to think about a lot of things that are in Southern California, I mean, they have a lot of citrus products. They have um, limes and lemons and, you know, they have a lot of access into the, you know, ginger market uh, of things coming over from Asia. So I just really wonder if this was what I would consider a... A warehouse walkthrough. Could you make some crap out of this so that we could sell, some, <laughs> you know, sell something to get rid of all this? You guys talked about the magic cage, you know, uh, at the bar we're at uh, earlier tonight. But I really wonder if it's one of those moments where it was just a matter of trying to overcome a, a financial windfall, you know, because they had a surplus of a lot of these ingredients. I, I actually, I, I think that as
1: far as where it originated from, it it came from. it it was a surplus of uh, ingredients I mean you have all that you have the ginger beer etc but it honestly this was uh, the popularization of the Moscow mule in the 1940s was uh, because of a relationship between individuals Um, I mean -hmm. the first Moscow mule was made because the owner of the cock and bull restaurant also owned cock and bull ginger beer he owned cock and bull products and the first Moscow mule was made with uh, when he was sitting down with Pierre Smirnoff who if you know what Smirnoff is, I mean, he happens to own a lot of vodka. <laughs> so you've yeah, got come, right? <laughs> a lot <laughs> exactly. of vodka. Exactly. So you've got Mr. Smirnoff and Mr. Gingerbeer sitting in the same room together, and they come up with this. Uh, they this a very good Hollywood. Women. Yeah. Exactly. It works. It works that. perfectly. And so you've got these very powerful people that happen to have f- stumbled upon a very delicious combination of their mutual products. So all of a sudden, you've got a big Hollywood cocktail in LA, you know, sets on fire with it and the Moscow it's Mule takes off. That's funny because the Moscow Mule has
2: just come back probably in the last 10 years as one of the biggest classic cocktails coming on back around and uh, it had a decline and probably mostly because of the red scare mm-hmm. the USSR and all that, you know, during the 80s no one wanted to drink a Moscow Mule because <laughs>
0: They'd be <laughs> really thrown kill. into they, some yeah. tournament camp somewhere,
2: or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so but it's, it's come back around and it's huge. It's it's one of the biggest cocktails to come back around this time, and it's right behind the Bushwhacker. Yeah, right, right behind, behind the, the Bushwhacker. Bushwhacker. Mm-hmm. but it's um, every single restaurant probably has some sort of variation on it. It's it's a, it's easy. It's inexpensive, um, and you can do it with anything. I mean, it's and it's all about really the main thing about the Moscow Mule is the ginger beer.
0: It's well, all about ginger beer. I, I completely agree. So, um, I agree that the the story originates from uh, a lot of the origins of the fact that the Cock and bowl actually had the ginger beer uh, to work with right from the get-go. But um, that is the base of this product, isn't it, Will? And I, and I love the story that you have about the way that you guys approach this drink here at the Tipler as well. And we, we actually talked about... Um, some variation in the way that you would approach this from are you choosing to make it with some way or fermentation and you know um, there's a lot of variation between that so
1: at the Tipler we have a house made ginger beer and we do what in, in, in our opinion is sort of the most effective way at making a ginger beer to be used in Moscow Mule which means that we make a essentially a ginger syrup. We have other spices and herbs that we will put in to add flavor and increase the flavor profile and then we will force carbonate that and that's what we top our vodka, lime juice and crushed ice with. To make uh, a ginger beer through the fermentation process means that you have to introduce yeast into the equation. And what yeast means is inconsistency. Um, when you're introducing yeast, it's extremely difficult to you make put nature a- nature in,
0: in the driver's seat.
1: You're, you're throwing, I mean, you're rolling the dice a bit. It's a different flavor profile where we believe you can get the same, you know, or it, I'm sorry, we think that you can get a better product using the ginger syrup method where you will cook down sugar, ginger, water, herbs and then force carbonate it and you know exactly what you're going to get. You know yeah. your that syrup is your flavor and then you force carbonate it. Exactly. And, there and
2: we go. also control the carbonation of it as well so you can get something that's super carbonated or something that's slightly carbonated. We we're able to control that. And then here we put it on draft. So it comes out right on our tap lines goes right into your drink. It's easy, it's fast, it's consistent the
0: whole time. Well, I hear some of my home homebrew buddies, you know, calling party foul.
2: Yeah. You know, on,
0: on that <laughs> moment, you know, yeah. like uh, dude, that is like a bricks moment and you're just basically throwing Lipton IT, Iced Tea in a bricks machine and hitting on button. But, uh, you know, um, I, I, think the, I think the better point about the story is, it is a little bit about, it, no, I'm sorry, it's not a little bit, it is about control. Um, specifically of what you're working with so that you can provide a consistent product. And I think that that is the, the point that you're really trying to you know, get across here with the way that you are, the style of the ginger beer that you're using. You know, I've had a lot of ginger beer that uh, a lot of homebrew friends have, have provided to me. Great stuff. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I love... Um, a lot of homebrew products and I love you know a lot of the ginger beer that I've had but I can't say that it's one of those things that I would look at and go that's how I would make the perfect Moscow mule um, I hate to say it but I would probably in fact I wouldn't probably I know that I go to the shelf and I pull off a fever tree um, in order to make you know a Moscow mule uh, today so a uh, story that I had uh, you talked a little bit about some of the popular popularization, you know, of this drink. Um, it was in St. Louis um, rather recently, and I was at uh, a place uh, that, you know, had some really great drinks um, on uh, on tap, and I was just sitting there at the bar, and there were two young, young ladies that came in. The wait list to get into this place was like an hour and a half. It was crazy, you know. I was like, you know, I'm glad I'm sitting here and enjoying this food. But there were a lot of people that were outside just waiting, you know, just to get in the restaurant itself. And sure enough, it was a gaggle of, you know, four or five, you know, 20-something young ladies that came in and said, I want a mascot mule. And I just hmm. don't want... I almost started to bust laugh, you know, bust laughing when she said that, I was just like... Um, no, I don't, really don't think that's what you want. I think what you want is uh, a lot of vodka that has a little bit of ginger beer in it, <laughs> you know, that looks cute in a copper mug. Um, so, you know, I I try to look beyond the popularization, you know, of this drink over time and really kind of look to the essence of the drink and look to the classic elements, you know, that it's presenting around it. And so I really love the story, you know, around this around this as well, Will, that while I think that there is a lot of popularization of the way that this drink came around to be, um, and as well as kind of a bit of the resurgence of it, as far as I'm concerned, it contains some really classic ingredients. I can't think of anything that is more fundamental than ginger beer. And the fact that, uh, at least the Tippler here, is committed to the, the flavor profile uh, maybe they haven't committed to the purest sense of creating their own ginger beer, um, but they've committed to a certain pre- uh, profile so that the drink can always be consistent. And it's really awesome. I mean, that was the thing that I liked about. Yeah. um You actually served me some of the ginger beer. Um, you know, earlier tonight, just all by itself, not like mixed in. You know, as a Moscow meal, but just all by itself, and uh i what did i pick like two of the eight ingredients that were in it yep i didn't even come close to getting it all um and if i had to pick the magic ingredient it would be the cinnamon yeah um i I mean that that is not something that i think you typically find you know it's a lot of ingredients
1: it's uh well real quick it's saigon cinnamon it's saigon cinnamon so it's hotter cinnamon yeah it's it's up in your face and the 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 flavor from the cinnamon actually comes from the stalks of that so when you're putting it in and you're you know it comes from the stalks so the uh it's not your ground cinnamon or you know other things you're putting it in and you break it open and then when you cook it down that's how you make the initial syrup now uh two two quick things online of what you were saying uh, about us making you know a consistent product with the ginger beer which is very important you have to think the difference between a, a brewery which can use yeast and they'll have you know and and i am not saying that uh... that beer you know you cannot have a consistent product using yeast you can but with most of the craft breweries and local breweries you know they will have different batches or their small batch and you know the flavors will change over time but when you run a restaurant or bar it's very important to have a very a consistent product. That's how you build customer base, and it's how you maintain customer base and stay open for a couple of years.
0: I thought it was about serving
1: panty grease. Depends on the kind of bar you want to run, um, and the uh, oh the other thing I was going to say is Completed that it I can't get panty grease <laughs> off my head. Now that term is its own beast. Um, but, uh, you know, the Moscow Mule, it's a, it's a young, classic cocktail. It's, you know, as we were talking about with the Bushwhack earlier, it, you know, it came out in 1940s, uh, and initially it was used with lemon juice, and most people learned that lime juice accompanies vodka better. Now, if they're going to do a variation where they use bourbon, they might introduce lemon juice on that, but when it comes to such a young, classic cocktail, you can't mess with the, the base of it, and the base, I would say, for a Moscow Mule would be vodka, citrus, ginger beer but what you can do is within that play around a bit so you've got your vodka you can do you know a hotter vodka less hot vodka your ginger beer which is i mean as we all sort of talked about earlier the ginger beer is the driving force so with your ginger beer you can do so much with it how you make it how you ferment it what flavors you introduce to it it's going to define the cocktail based on the ginger beer and there is no strict classic definition for what a ginger beer is so there. Because
0: it's Young Classic, you
1: have a lot of room to play around with while still staying true to its nature.
0: Hmm. So uh, you've actually made two variations for us to uh, review here tonight, um, here at the Tipler. So um, let's talk about and uh, review the, the two versions you've made. First off, why don't you introduce, you've made one that's traditional and you've made one that's a variation. So uh, what's, the, what's the difference?
1: So the traditional is two ounces of Russian Standard Vodka, uh, three-quarter ounces of fresh squeezed lime juice, have to be fresh squeezed, uh, crushed ice topped with ginger beer. That's your tried and true standard Moscow Mule. And Russian Standard is a good vodka, it's got a good uh, bottle price point, and we use it here because it's you know a step above well, but in all honesty, when it comes to the Moscow Mule, you have a good bit of leeway with what vodka you choose to use. The variation we made, which um, is not super popular amongst you know your average customer base, but i found that all bartenders, tequila people, anyone who's ever had Mezcal loves is the Mezcal Mule, and that's two ounces of DM Vita, three-quarters of lime juice, crushed ice topped with ginger beer. Mezcal is a uh, tequila from the Oaxaca region. It's fermented, uh, different than normal tequila. Sorry, it's not a tequila. It's an agave-based liqueur it is fermented agave nectar but they ferment it underground and they will smoke things on top of it so you can have like chicken mezcal where they will smoke mm-hmm. chickens and other wood and stuff over the mezcal and so it comes out i call it the whiskey of tequilas it is super smoky agave based uh liqueur and so it's going to remind you of tequila but you get a lot of smoking that's it and that smoke just burns through all the sweetness of the moscow mule so it's not just the lime juice that's cutting through the flavor it's the smoke too of that, tequila, of that Ummezcal uh, yeah so it's uh, what's your favorite variety and what's your rating on that one uh, my rating for the Moscow mule would be I, I would give it I would give it a three personally hmm. i'm I'm not a huge fan for overly sweet cocktails i I believe that the Moscow mule is very good and very simple but to me, it's just you're not getting any love from the spirit, and I'm a big spirit person. Hmm. You know, it is very hard to have a, a spirit-forward Moscow Mule, um, and that that to me is a pretty pretty key aspect when it comes to judging any cocktail.
0: Hmm. <clears throat> so, which variety do
1: you like? Oh, sorry, variety. I, I would go. Uh, I would go mezcal personally. My huh. favorite mule is Tanqueray Rangpur, a nice light gin, lime juice. Uh, our house made ginger beer and crushed ice. That would be my ideal mule. But wow. I go mezcal.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Kevin, what do you think about uh, um, these Moscow mules that we've made? they mules. Off, they're delicious. Mules.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's definitely all about, you know, a lot about the vessel. Uh, it's got to be in a copper mug or pewter, either mm-hmm. one. If you can get your hands on some, they're great. Um, um, I, I would agree with Will on the uh, the variations definitely like the gin is uh very impressive the Tangeray Rangpur um I like to do variations with grapefruit bitters and grapefruit juice huh. um with the gin that's a great variation choice yeah I like that um I do like the mezcal. I like the bourbon. I'll literally drink it with anything. So, yeah, <laughs> it's one of those cocktails that you can put any spirit in and it'll change it. Um, mm. I do like it with rye as well uh, and lemon juice instead. But uh, my rating, I'll probably take a, I'll take a four on the rating uh,
0: for our uh, for our meal here mm-hmm. at the Tippler. Mm. Well, um, really uh, fascinating uh, that. Um, to bring out both uh, variations, um, I you know I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be kind and actually rate both. Uh, so I would say for uh, the classic um, uh, mule, I would say I'm gonna give it a solid three. Great, I just love the ginger beer. You know, yeah. it is just it is so good. Um, uh, you know, Will, you're just a kindred spirit because I you know to me. It's a little difficult for me to surrender myself to that much ginger beer in a drink, and it's you all know, about the booze. I, I <laughs> you know I guess I don't know. Part of it is just you know the old fashioned we talked about. It. Just you know, really give me a really good you know uh, bourbon at the end of the day. Um, but I have to say between the the two that you gave uh, the mezcal and the traditional Moscow Mule, um, I have to say I really like the mezcal. Um, you know. I talked about this in a kind of a strange way that uh, it wasn't just the ginger beer, but it was kind of almost (laughs) uh, the only thing I could think of was wood putty. Um, It's just because of the aroma that wood putty sometimes has, uh, was what this Mezcal was presenting, but it really, really worked well. And the earthiness that it just kind of introduced into the drink, I really thought that it took a drink from being, uh, you know, a three. To a solid four, and I actually I like the I like the, uh, I like the mezcal version um, itself. So I probably, if I had to come back and order this, I would I would probably have it with mezcal, and um, I can think of a lot of different versions of mezcal that this would definitely work with, you know, for sure. Get weird, try scotch. <laughs> That's good. Wow. <laughs> okay. There's there's the challenge for the next show for sure. Hey, listen, uh, we're just gonna take just one quick moment here. Uh, let some stations chime in with a bunch of useful information we're going to be right back we're going to talk about the french 75 with kevin we'll be right back with trains with kevin Thanks for coming back to Sip, Suds, and Smokes. And we're going to uh, talk about the uh, the French 75 next. Uh, I have to say, I've been waiting, what, all day, <laughs> you know, to, uh, to talk about this. And uh, Kevin is going to do a wonderful job of giving us the history of this drink as well as uh, talking about uh, the variations uh, in this drink as well. I'm going to chime in quite a bit, I'd have to say, because... This is uh, pretty close to my own heart as well. Kevin, tell us all about the French
2: 75. French 75, definitely a classic. It's uh, one of our most popular cocktails. It's It can be drinking any time, really, but definitely a brunch cocktail nowadays. Um, and traditionally, um, it is made with cognac. Most people don't understand that, but um, most days if you go out to a bar and you order a French 75, it's going to be with gin. Um, we'll talk about our preferences later but (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so the drink uh the drink was really created about 1915 uh ish um in a bar in paris um and it was named after basically like a field artillery almost like a cannon um at the time because it had that kick um, it had so much kick to it that it would, you know, that, that's what they name it after. They would just hit 75 you. 75 millimeter. It would yeah, hit you in the morning or whatever time you were drinking it. <laughs> it was... Uh, Group therapy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what, what was you your name again? <laughs> <laughs> it was brought back uh, to America at the Stork Club in New York. Um, and it really became kind of a popular cocktail there at the time. And then... Um, most people see it nowadays in the Savoy cocktail book from from the uh, Harry Craddock's version of it and he used gin actually in that version of it but that's kind of where it really got popular in mass um, and they normally use gin or cognac in it but cognac is definitely the most old-school style of doing it um, has definitely like a more depth to it um, but you can find a good gin out there either or it's great um so it's basically um it's basically a kind of a variation almost on a champagne cocktail so we're gonna use uh for ours that we made today we used uh, an ounce of cognac we use landy cognac which is uh, it's great in cocktails it's great in variety but you any cognac or, or a lot of brandies are um you could use um, and then we just do a half ounce of lemon juice, fresh lemon juice, a uh, half ounce of simple syrup, just a one-to-one. Uh, you're gonna shake that up. And we double strain that into a champagne flute. Um, get all those little bits of ice out of there. You don't wanna shake, over shake it, otherwise you're gonna dilute it too much. Yep. Um, and then we're gonna top it with s- uh, sparkling wine, champagne, uh, we used kava here normally a brute you want something that's dry um, because you've already added sweetness into it so any sparkling wine any brute is gonna work in this cocktail something a little bit nicer something with some tight bubbles in there That's Um, an
0: interesting choice I didn't know that Uh, so um, so Cava is a uh, Italian uh, Spanish uh, Spanish I'm sorry thank you Don't uh, ask me as sorry my license <laughs> right away.
1: I'm sorry. What plan are we on? Yeah. Where are you? I'm, uh, I'm not going to lie, Kevin. I just got to say that I, this is probably the best French 75 I've ever had. Excellent. Good. Yeah. Oh. So we finish it with
2: a, a lemon peel, uh, either a twist, new do a big tail or any kind of twist, and express that on the top. And uh, definitely, when you're pouring it, you got to be very careful because it will bubble up immediately. So definitely, tip your glass, pour like you would a, a nice, a nice glass of champagne, That's and be tip. gentle with it. Otherwise, it's going to explode in your face.
0: Hmm. So, how would you rate your French 75 here? Today? My French
2: 75. Um, I'm going to give it a four. Wow. Yeah. I'm
0: That's a consistently fours. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's okay. uh, I think it's. I think it's excellent. Um, it's. It's got enough dryness with the kava in there, but still got the sweetness um, from the, you know, the sugar in there and the lemon and the cognac. It's it's all around. It's a well-rounded cocktail, and it's, uh, it's delicious.
0: Hmm. Cool. Well, what do you think about uh, the French 75 here? I, um, you already said it was awesome. I mean, in, in all honesty, I... I this is one
1: of the the best one of the better cocktails i've i've ever had i'm i'm gonna have to give it a, a five i'm putting it right up there with the old fashioned. um oh my i i've had a lot of the gin variations and it kind of just nags at me i'm a bit of a stickler for the name and it does come it's a french 75 because it has a kick the cognac gives it that gin is just kind of i've even had people do it with vodka i mean it it is not the same cocktail as when you do it with cognac and this and this this is a really it's a great cocktail. Um, it really is.
0: It really is. And um, so uh, I had a little bit more to add to the tale um, about you know some aspects of the the history around this string. So um, I, I like the fact that you you draw uh, some delineation between when it was a cognac you know based drink and and what moved it into being you know, you know made by Jen. Um, Will and I were actually talking uh, before the show today about what actually you know kind of precipitated that, and what what you know what were some of the factors that might have played into that. And I got to thinking about you know if I owned a bar, and uh, you know I looked at the number of times that I was actually making a French seventy-five, you know, with these uh, classic ingredients. Um, and I had the ability of switching cognac out for gin that I can cut across 20 different drinks as opposed to having that one bottle of cognac that I'm gonna make like two drinks with um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the gin in my well all day long and I'm going to probably push a gin forward version of, of French 75 all day long and I'm probably gonna add you know a, a sweeter champagne variety than a brute. Than you've done here tonight, um, which I consider really cutting a lot of corners, and I would probably slap somebody on the wrist for you know, yeah. making that choice. I so. I'm sorry, but um, you know we we actually talked to, about this that if if I were at a bar and I were ordering a French 75, I'm actually watching the bartender and what are the things that they're actually grabbing for, and uh, to make it. If somebody is turning around and grabbing, you know, the, any cognac, it, it really doesn't matter to be honest with you. Um, if they're turning around and interact, probably adding, you know, a cognac from their back bar as opposed to drawing a gin from their well, then I know that that's somebody that actually knows what this drink is supposed to taste like. Because <clears throat> if somebody is grabbing for a beef eater's, or God forbid, you know, something even worse, that's an old Tom's, you know, well variety. I'm sorry, but. The only thing you're going to see at the end, you know, after that moment, is the back of my head walking away from the bar. Harsh customer. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm just gonna. You wouldn't even get a full sentence from me going. I'm sorry, but you don't know what you're doing, and please just stop, because um, you're not really making this as well as you should. And I have lost as much respect as I would like to at that point. Could you just (laughs) Please pour me a Bud Light and call it even, okay? Um, <laughs> <coughs> you know, uh, some of the things that um, I really thought were big transition moments uh, for this drink is where uh, Pierre Frant's, uh Cognac actually became available uh, to make this drink once again here in America. So there was a, a huge gap in time where that cognac was not available here in the U.S. Uh, for a pretty long time, almost like 40 years. And it actually came back here into the States, and um, a lot of it flowed directly through New Orleans. Um, in fact, the only place that I really thought that you could um, uh, get a proper French 75 was at um, in New Orleans at uh, Galatoire's. Um, I mean, I just I really felt like that was one of the few places Ornans was maybe another place that you could get one there in in the new orleans area but that was about it and part of it was just because those were the few places that would actually be able to stock the proper cognac to make this um but uh, i you know <coughs> even with all that said kevin um i have to say that uh uh it, it, what a pleasure it was to actually enjoy your French seventy-five here tonight. Excellent, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it just was—it uh, was so awesome. Oh my God! If you were my bartender, I would gladly hand a twenty dollars <laughs> to you. Appreciate um, it—not not just because you're a good-looking and handsome guy, because you made a really great drink. So excellent. <laughs> oh my God! <goodness. laughs> just a really yeah. a, a great drink yeah. and uh, a, a well-deserved five. So, uh, some things that I actually do at home making this. Um, I, I, um, I actually do garnish this with a brandy cherry. I know we talked about... love you know, brandy cherries. Well, I homemade do. Homemade
1: brandy cherries. Uh,
0: I do. I like homemade brandy cherries. And there is something about uh, the right combination of brandy and cognac uh, that is infused um with the right measure of sweetness that it just presents some layering component around everything and that just that subtle tartness that comes off the cherry itself that comes into the drink i don't know it just uh it really kind of sets things off i know you made it properly um well i wouldn't say um you made it proper tonight in a champagne flute but i actually make this in a rocks glass uh when i make it at home and uh it, it allows me to, you, you talked about some of the control mechanism of dealing with the champagne, and I think that's one of the things I like about making it in a rocks glass. It doesn't explode, you know, over the side of the glass, you know, quite when I'm making it in a rocks glass as well. Um, plus, I think the uh, the brandy cherry kind of it floats things a little bit better, you know, along in that particular variety. So, um, you know, those are some things that <clears throat> I really kind of pay attention to. I guess one of the the big things, if I had to say about a, a French 75 is, if you're going to make it with a gin, a crappy gin is, is going to equal a, a crappy French 75. Exactly. It's just the bottom mm-hmm. line. Um, so, you know, thou shalt not use Weld gin. I, I, if we could all just raise our hands. Yeah, exactly. You know, thou shalt buy good well gin. You know, I, I just, I'm sorry, but if... <laughs> You know, if you're just going to reach down to something convenient, just, God, please stop, would you? I'd I'd appreciate it. For those of us that are French 75s fans, I'd really appreciate that. So, a really great drink, though. God, Kevin, you blew it out of the water. Excellent. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to have another. (laughs) So, (laughs) it's just uh, really great. Well, listen, uh, these were four really awesome drinks that we got to go through uh, in this... uh, in this episode, I really appreciate everyone joining us uh, for this. We're really glad you stayed awake here for Medieval Poetry with Mary. Join us next week as we discover meter, rhyme, and the best fake British accents for poetry. Oh, wherefore art thou? Oh, Romeo, oh, Romeo, oh, Romeo. You have to use a bit of a Welsh accent, I guess, to really get through it well. Anyway. <coughs> With that said, I want to thank our listeners here at Sip, Suds, and Smokes. Listen, you can catch all of our episodes online on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, PRX, YouTube, Uncle John's Basement, on the backside here at the Tippler, and of course at Spreaker, our native media host. They question every single time our credit card runs through, going, Who are those people? (laughs) Our terrestrial radio station hosts are always expanding, and right now they're going, Kevin... I'd like a gallon of French 75 delivered to us. We'll actually put these guys on the air. Listen, if you would like to hear this show on your favorite radio station, tell them about the French 75 and some really great guys that actually know how to talk about those drinks on the radio. Send them a note. Copy us as well. You can reach us online anytime at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our daily tasting floats. Tasting floats. Tasting, tasting flows. Tasting. Our, our tasting flows. Definitely tasting flows. <clears throat> I'll have another French 75. <laughs> <laughs> our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter every day at SipSudSmoke. Our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. Do us a favor and take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a really big help to us. You can tell everybody, oh my God, I think Will sounds really cute. <laughs> and rate us a five. That would be great. <laughs> we get to see your feedback as well. I really want to thank my co-host. Will, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. It was really great. Kevin, thank you. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. You made the best thing I've ever had today. And that <laughs> is that is really saying an awful lot. I really appreciate it uh, quite a bit. Again, thank you for joining us. This is good old boy Mike asking you to keep on sipping.